the enemies can manifest both internally and externally. So internally, we all have these parts. I have the controller part. I have the critic part. I have the judging part. I have the provocative part. I have the fear-based part. So I have all these different parts within me, and this journey is really the discovery of all of that, and all of it is acceptable. All of it should be loved. All of it should be accepted and, and celebrated. That's who we are as human beings. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. This episode, I'm speaking with thought leader and visionary Dan Silberberg, former managing director of Oracle and former CEO of many other well-known brands with a master's degree in leadership and coaching and founder and CEO of Entelechy. Dan is training the next generation of leaders. This is the next conversation in our six-episode bonus series. I've gotten to know Dan over the last couple of years as we're both members of the Thought Council in the C-Suite Network. I'm always amazed at his insights in any online meeting we are both participating. I'd like to welcome my favourite podcast guest, Dan Silberberg. Welcome back, Dan. We're going to talk about the hero's journey. I can't wait. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back with you. Um, The hero's journey is actually a sort of a metaphor from Joseph Campbell. And in all of the movies that we love, whether it's Harry Potter or Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings, those are all built off of the framework of the hero's journey. And I really think developing into a great leader has a lot to do with how that journey takes place. So I'll just give you a quick example. There is on YouTube a part from the Lord of the Rings, and it's called Thou Shall Not Pass. And basically, it's the Balrog in the background, and Gandalf, who's the guide, is leading the team across a bridge. And the Balrog shows up, And Gandalf says to the team, go on, I'll take care of it. You all need to go and continue on the journey. And so there's a big fight that goes on. And it looks like the Balrog has lost and is going into the abyss. And at the very last second, he has a rope that grabs Gandalf by the ankle and pulls him into the abyss. And he fights in the abyss He fights to the top of the mountain, and ultimately, he goes from Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White. This is the death and rebirth of Gandalf as a guide. This is absolutely the journey that we all go through in building ourselves a life that we love, that we're the author of, that we're creating, that we're connected to energy, right? 
this is the path if we're going to emerge to become the next best version of ourselves, right? And interestingly, it's the grabbing of the ankle that actually is the Achilles heel of Gandalf and it's his hubris and pride of I can beat them, I don't have to, right? And so in the abyss, this is where he fights for his life. This is the phoenix rising from the ashes of that um, of the paradox that we talked about, confidence to humility. This is arrogance to humility. And plenty of people would say that their leaders are highly arrogant. Yeah. yeah it, it, so it's kind of a common occurrence. Yeah. So it's it, one of the things that we do in the council is we get to see movies and we get to see things that actually reflect these principles that we're talking about. So for the audience, if you go to YouTube, just type in thou shall not pass. Yes. And you'll get to see that that scene. And if it's not inspiring to you, then I don't know what more to say. <laughs> so within that, if you remember, if you look at Star Wars, we'll talk a little bit about Luke. So one of the things that Luke says to Obi-Wan, I want to become a Jedi. And Luke figures, oh, he won't do that. Well, Obi-Wan says, if that's what you want, I'll train you. And then Luke goes, oh, well, I, you know, I know I'm not going to be doing that. So as we start to look at this hero's journey, there is the call to adventure. This is what I'm talking about. This is about the leader council. And so we're, we're summoning you to embark on a journey to be very much in the unknown, right? This isn't a comfort zone. It's not what we currently know. It's an invitation to find yourself in a cohort, a band of brothers, a group of allies. We talked a little bit about the Lord of the Rings and Balrog and Gandalf, but for those of you that are Star Wars fans, there's a point in the movie where Luke Skywalker is talking to Obi-Wan and he tells Obi-Wan that he wants to train as a Jedi, but he's really scared about it, but he figures that Obi-Wan will say no. And Obi-Wan says, well, if that's what you want, Luke, I'm in. We're going to do it. And then he goes, well, well, not right now. So we get this call to adventure. And then we get the refusal of the call. And we saw the same thing in The Hobbit with Bilbo Baggins when Gandalf says, we're going to take the ring and we're going to Maldor and we're going to do all these different things. And Bilbo is like, I'm feeding all of you, but you all need to leave in the morning and I'll be staying here right? It's this fear of the unknown. It's the doubts that we have about within ourselves. Can I do this? Will I survive, right? It takes us away from our comfort zone. And so there's always that element of fear. And I'm not sure if I really want to like engage in this. So know that that's possible. It's human, right? But if we're going to grow ourselves up, then we have to decide that the unknown is better than just being stuck in the known. We're not growing in the known. And sometimes we and say that, no, and then upon reflection, we go, oh, shucks, I'll say yes. <laughs> right. 
right? Well, then after we've got this thing, then we meet the mentor. So this is Gandalf in, in this situation. In Harry Potter, the mentor is Dumbledore, right? It's the same thing. Is Harry going to, is he going to accept the call? Well, in a way, he really doesn't have a choice. So the mentor is basically a guide. This is someone who's out front. Um, in, in the council, that would, I hope to be the guide, that I'm the mentor who has gone through this journey before and come out the other side. Um, it's for a group of high-performing members. It's for people who want to expand, be more spacious, live life as an adventure, right? Take a risk because in the end, it's the guide who gets all of us to support each other to get to the final outcome. Exactly, and then the, te the team melds together. And then you've got the synergy of, or the, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Again, the spotlight is that everybody will bring their own perception and their own view of the world. And now we start to get this bigger picture. We as leaders get to see who we align with. We also get to see who bothers us. And why is it that we're bothered? What are the projections that are going on? How do we transfer? So one of the people in the thing turns out, I'm just transferring dad or mom onto that woman or man. It's not about them at all. It's all about me and what's coming up for me. And this is where the guide is able to maneuver and point out and reflect and help to integrate in those experiences. That's right. right? Mm -hmm. And then the next stage is actually crossing the threshold. And that's where we go from the known and what's comfortable to the unknown and discomfort. This is where the commitment to the journey, the willingness to be challenged, the willingness to I think take off the mask is how I would say it, to un uncover that false self, to realize that all parts of ourself are totally acceptable. And we all have parts. And the mentor can do it with love because you have your own blind spot and the mentor can hopefully see parts of what that blind spot is and name it for you that then can to put a spotlight on that blind spot. Yeah, so as mentor, my job is to show that I care, that I'm heart-centered, yes. that I'm coming unconditionally, mm. that in the process, that it's all done with goodwill and with psychological safety. It's not meant to be a dressing down. It's meant to be an unfolding and a celebration of these new insights. Wonderful. Right? Yeah. So... That's, I think, really important that what we seek is just outside our comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really important kind of a thing. And then as we go, we face tests and we're going to have allies and we're going to have enemies. So if you've ever tried to change, so you've decided that you're going to lose weight. What do your friends tell you? You're fine the way you are. You're oh. not heavy, right? You're not fat. You're not blah, 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 blah. You have to consider the source. If they're overweight, they don't want you to become thin. 
Well, not only that, but they're afraid that if you actually become who you can become, and you're now this person who's made this transom, you won't like them anymore. You'll leave them, you'll vacate them, you'll abandon them, right? And that happens. We have friends who come in and out of our lives all the time. And so the question is, do we want to be with a group of allies that hold us back? Or do we want to be with a group of allies who want to celebrate our growth and development and becoming who we can become? Yep. So the enemies can manifest both internally and externally. So internally, we all have these parts. I have the controller part. I have the critic part. I have the judging part. I have the provocative part. I have the fear-based part. So I have all these different parts within me. And this journey is really the discovery of all of that. And all of it is acceptable. All of it should be loved. All of it should be accepted and and celebrated. Mm. That's who we are as human beings. Mm. Right? And so we've got, we've got strengths and we've got areas that are areas for growth. We don't even have to call them weaknesses. I don't think we use that language. No. So one of the things, for example, is who's driving the bus. So think of ways that you sabotage yourself and things that you want. Is it the little girl who sat, who's going, I'm afraid to do that? Or is it the woman who, who now has elder wisdom? Sometimes it's the little girl driving the bus when it should be the elder woman who has wisdom, right? And just to be knowing that difference, to be able to say, I've got this. I know that you're concerned. I've got this. We're going to make this through okay. You can trust me. I've got your back. You know, if we expect we're going to succeed, we will try harder than if we afraid that we're going to fail then you kind of go well if I don't try then it doesn't matter if I don't if I fail because I didn't try it's it's this kind of bargain that sometimes people uh create with themselves where I'll only put in effort if I expect to get it but if I don't expect to get get it then I don't have to put in any effort then I didn't fail it's a funny little catch-22 yeah and part of the training is we get rid of binary thought. We get rid of black and white. We get rid of catastrophizing and minimizing. We get rid of success and failure. So we start to think about what's an experiment. So one of the things about science and working in a lab, I'm a scientist and I work in a lab. That's a metaphor. I'm not a scientist. I don't work in a lab, but I believe I do. And the reason I set that frame is that scientists in a lab are there for one and one purpose only. It's to experiment. There's no success or failure. The more experiments I run, the smarter I get. And 10,000 times later, Edison has a light bulb. He never (laughs) looked at success and failure. He kept looking at, oh, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. So in a lab, hypothesis, antithesis, hypothesis, antithesis, there's no binary idea of success and failure. So if we can give ourselves that permission, how much more risk in a bigger life would we have? A lot. 
Absolutely. And then there's constant correction because all you're doing is you're uh, aiming for a goal and you'll, you'll get, with trial and error, you'll get further down the path. So it's not that you failed or succeeded. It's you're learning every step of the way. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So then we have this, what's called the approach to the inmost cave. And it represents really our shadows. It's those inner fears and doubts, right? What is it? I, if you really knew me, fill in the blank. Most people would go, they'll tell you the good things, but they wouldn't tell you the bad because they fear you would judge them, you'd abandon them, you wouldn't like them, you'd be unacceptable, all of that. We all have those parts of ourselves that we think are unacceptable. In point of fact, it's sharing those that makes vulnerability and intimacy. Yes. Everybody has those shadows, right. those deepest desires right and so there's there's that and we want to bring that doubt and work to acceptability without judgment unconditionally beautiful that's a big thing that's very hard to do in a business by the way because everything is judged all the time but what would happen if we started to expand and that was the idea of having grace and forgiveness if we just opened up that a little bit how much more innovation, how much more creativity, how much more risk-taking, you know, that's done well would dynamically change the face of a business, a family, a community. Exactly. And it's, it's, and in the workplace, it's, we've got to be so careful that there isn't a blame culture, that mistakes are seen as learning opportunities, but you know, it depends on where you sit. If you're the if you're the the supervisor, the team leader, the manager, you're the one that can role model. Oh, well, let's learn from this. But if you're the individual contributor, you may have to be educating the manager to take a a more growth mindset view to errors and mistakes and see them as learning opportunities. Yep. Yeah. And but. Do you have a manager who's open to that discussion or do you not? Because you're not going to risk it if your manager isn't open. That's right. right? And so are we inviting truth telling? Are we inviting conversation? Are we inviting your spotlight with my spotlight, with everybody's spotlight? And then all of a sudden we might have a, a real flooding of the whole football field, so to speak. Right? It's really that, hard. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yard yeah. <laughs> so we go from the innermost cave then to the ordeal. And the ordeal is that moment when we have to reveal ourselves, tell truth to our highest vision. Right. And this is where we, we actually get to. That becomes the reward. Right. That's now what we're going to bring back. That's the elixir. So we've left, we've left home. Uh-huh. We've taken risk. We've been through the ordeal. We've got the boon, what's called the boon, which is the reward. And now we're going to bring that back. And we're going to share and demonstrate our self-awareness, our empathy, 
our compassion, our resilience, our pride. It's a, in the end, it's the phoenix who rise. There is a death of the default to a rising of the true congruent aligned person. Right. That is a, that's the resurrection, right? That's where the career and the personal life combine to have this life of love, of passion, of acceptance, of all the things that, that our hearts desire. I don't deserve it. We shouldn't have that. It's too much. All of that disappears. And we just keep reinventing moment by moment to the best version of ourselves. Beautiful. Yeah. So the question is, will you risk to take the journey? I can tell yes. you having having done it for 40 years, I've spent some time at this. Um, I can't imagine my life because I know what it was before and I know what it is now. It's rigorous. It takes courage. There's some pain involved with it. But the truth literally gives you a whole new way of operating in the world where you can't you won't be offended you won't be defensive you won't be trying to blame others you won't be obfuscating and making things opaque yes that's all a waste of energy and of time and it's less than who you're meant to be and dan this is the whole goal of the podcast manage self lead others is that we can transform ourselves through self-leadership and thereby transform the workplace to make it a wonderful place for people to be and to grow because your workplace is your dojo. Mm -hmm. To quote the karate, where you learn, the, the purpose of learning karate is not just self-defense, it's to actually grow as a person. And that's that concept of the dojo is that's where you learn lessons. So the workplace is a place where you can learn lessons. And so where you're, you're crafting, you're describing the, the workplace most of us would like to work in. Well done. Not only that we would like to work in, but to realize that we are the creators. If we don't have that, it's no one's fault but our own. There we go. Right? That's really the game. So now we get rid of the false mask it's not for the faint of heart, right? But the reward, I can't explain it to you in words, but I'm hoping you're feeling it in my energy, that you're feeling it in how heart-centered this is, how open this is, how passionate it is to be on this journey, and what a privilege to be with others who are willing to risk at the same time. This is what really makes, so in this council, this group of allies will be allies forever. Yes, These are not, oh, I took this and now I, I'll never see you again. Your journey will continue and this group of allies will be supporting and continuing. Exactly. And of course, in a world where to attract good talent to work inside an organization, it almost requires this sort of a workplace where people are growing and it's heart-centered. And so your, your uh, program is going to give people the tools 
to be able to put that in place. But it's a step-by-step process and it's about looking inwards as as the main part of it. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I think, you know, what's, what's really interesting about it, think of all the interviews that you've done and how banal they are. Oh, so you're a VP of marketing. Tell me about what campaigns you ran. Where did you end up, you know, in problems? How did you solve them? You know, put me to sleep. (laughs) As opposed to, tell me about your journey. Let me tell you about my journey. Let's see if our journeys can go together. I would leave that interview really inspired. And actually it brings up a... (laughs) I won't name the company, but I I was um, interviewing with the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. And he kept me, it was his birthday. And so the company was doing all this around his birthday. So I think he kept me for two hours late for the interview. Okay, fine. So anyway, he comes in and he sits down and he takes my resume and he starts chronologically And I'm like, dude, this is your interview. And after about the third thing on the chronology, he looked at me, he goes, this is a really terrible interview, isn't it? And I went, yeah, actually it is, because you're not finding out anything about me. See, I know a lot about you. And I shared with him the research I had done about him, about him being an art collector, right? About him working in, he worked with Michael Milken in that age when they had all of that finance thing that Milken worked on, Uh the junk bonds and everything. And so I had this wonderful conversation with him. So he got to see who I was, how I think about things, what my passions were, was, was I sympathetic? You know, I could talk about art. I could talk about his business. I could talk about, you know, a lot of different things of, he um, had a place in Nantucket. And I used to uh, vacation in Martha's Vineyard. So Nantucket's just the further island. So there were a lot of things where now I'm creating connection. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, if you saw the tier one companies I worked in, you would know that the skill set was there. And so I believe that if you're a vice president at a tier one, either you're really good politically or you actually know what you're doing. So let's give you credit for that, but let's dig and see who we are. Are we connected? Do we you know, have any things that make sense? And this is then when people hire you, they hire you for your skill set on the paper or what you tell them, yeah. and they fire you for who you are. So what does that mean? It means you didn't fit the culture. It meant that you were a rabble rouser, you were a challenger, you were too soft, you didn't get the idea that we're ruthless, you didn't, whatever the cultures are, the number one issue of keeping people is aligning people to the culture. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So one of the questions I used to ask everybody is, tell me about the politics of your company. Oh. We don't have politics here. Oh, you must be the only company in the world. They all lied, every one of them, because they didn't, you know, they didn't think it would be in their interest to explain it. It's absolutely in their interest because you know what? The worst thing that's going to happen 
is I'm an individual and you do everything collectively. And so I'll never be able to make a decision on my own. That's not a fit for me. That could be a fit for other people. Yeah. We're very entrepreneurial in this company. We like to give you something. You run with it. As long as you're doing well, we stay out of your way. That was my experience at one of the companies I worked in. Another company I worked in, it was a political nightmare. And I didn't do well there. It's not that I wasn't skilled and it wasn't that I, you know, it wasn't a good fit. Yes. And so, you know. And their values were different too, because your values are elevated. And if people are operating at a different level and a political, you know, letting office politics get in the way, that's that's not going to be a fit for you. No. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I worked in companies where the way it was structured and the systems and processes, literally anybody would be successful in the company. Some would be, if you're talented, you could be really successful. But the way it was set, anybody coming in, even if they were average, could be successful. Well, that sounds I, like it's worked, good. Right? I worked in other companies where that infrastructure wasn't there. Right. And the more talented you were, the more it didn't work because it was one of those where I said inherently collective. You stood out. Not everybody works best in a collective. That's right. Yeah. So cool. it's really important to know who you are, know who they are, and see then if there's a fit. Yeah. <laughs> and that would reduce a lot of turnover and a lot of people leaving. Yeah. That would save a lot of money. Yes, yes. Even how to interview. <laughs> so so sounds like people who work with you are going to learn lots of little extra tools and, and tactics along the way that will actually help them in their day to day. You know, the hiring and onboarding of new new talent, mm-hmm. uh, keeping, keeping politics at bay, you know, reducing politics so that it's a, a smooth operating team, but not with that, um, you know, politics, the worst politics is where people talk behind the back and <clears throat> either white ant or or or, or uh, work at cross purposes to, uh, to the goals that people, uh, you know, just setting up, setting up rumours and uh, negative um, negative descriptions about people i mean that's politics and that's very destructive yeah so in this process you'll learn lots of you know different theory and but everything is experiential and everything that we're going to work on you're going to be reinforcing during the times we get together so that your habits change yeah. right you can't just learn a concept walk away and expect it to be integrated. So again, remember that the experiences you remember come with emotion that come with a memory. You're not going to, if I give you a concept and you can't integrate it for your own experience and go, that is so joyful now that I understand that, then it's not going to, it's not going to sustain and my whole goal is that this transformation sustains. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't work to transform to lose it in a week. 
Oh no, so so you'll get people getting their own aha moments where they'll go, oh, I have a pattern of behavior of doing or saying this. I unconsciously was setting up this sort of result and that's the, not the result I want. So because you're shining a spotlight onto that, that cause and effect, people are able to self-correct basically. Yeah. And then they can apply yeah, so it in their own so the resistances and the limiting beliefs become less. Yes. And yeah. so all of a sudden, more space, more expansion, greater adventure, bigger life. Bigger life. I love it. I love it. And who, who doesn't want a big life? We, we want to play a bigger game. We want to be, be the best version of ourselves. And we want to dream big. I mean, I know are... I do. Sounds like you do. <laughs> <laughs> and there are people in the spotlight in the world world of business that you go, yeah, I want to be more like them. Hey, let's do it together. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Dan. We're, we're sort of at the end of this episode. What do you think the next episode is going to be about? Well, there's a couple of different ideas. One is is teaching about universal yearnings because if we can connect to us so one of the ways of transformation is engaging in a yearning so i want to be seen i want to be known i want to matter i want to love i want to be loved i want to know i exist right so these are yearnings when i engage that yearning i get new insight and if I get a new insight, now I'm willing to experiment with new behavior. Yes. Yes. So maybe I'll put it, so I'll put a toe in the water. So here's the example. I don't know if you learn to swim, but when you learn to swim, you stand at the side of the pool and they want you just to bend over and fall in. Yeah. So we're going to do that. Now we want you to go off the diving board. So we don't go to the 10 foot diving board. We go to the three foot diving board. We're trepidation about going out to the edge. I don't want you to dive. You know how you just fell in off the side of the pool. I want you just to fall in off the edge. All right. Then we get comfortable with that. So now discover we like, don't sink to the bottom, we float. Right. So now I do, I want you to dive in. I'm going to show you how to do that. And then what I'm going to show you the next, once we're comfortable with that, we're going to jump up and down and then dive in. And then we're going to go to the five foot board and then we might go to the 10 foot board. Right. So when we get these insights, these aha moments, these, I can do that. Now we'll have ways of experimenting, putting toe in the water, making different choices, getting different outcomes, getting different emotion, getting different memories and experience. And we're growing ourselves. So this is a part of transformation. Mm -hmm. So yearnings is one thing. And then the other thing that I think is really important is to understand levels of development and transformational purposes. 
So zero to six months is a phase of development. Uh -huh. Six months to two years is a phase of development. There's a whole thing that goes on on the terrible twos that we go through. A lot of people are living as if they're 11 and 12 years old in their development. They're not living their grand life, right? And so there's one, two, three, four, five, six levels of development we can talk about. And that in each of those levels, we have choice. So we have a positive and a negative. So we have a retrograde and a positive grade. And at any given moment, we can identify where we are. Those come with emotions and they come with a whole host and set of things. And so the game is moment by moment, where am I in my development? What you're talking about, Dan, is music to my ears. I trust it's music to the ears of the people listening. No one I know talks like this. This you're, you, you're obviously sharing the insights of a lifetime. Thank you for being such a wise person and for being willing to share. I look forward to the next episode. Thanks, Nina. It's been a pleasure. Always great to see you. <laughs> if you want to work with a leadership coach I trust, that's Dan Silberberg. Consider this episode, Your Call to Adventure, to work with your mentor with elder wisdom. Join Dan Silberberg's Leader Council starting soon. It could be the most exciting professional development of your career and your life. He can help you unveil your true genius, your gifts, and how to manifest them into the world. All it takes to get started is a free conversation with Dan. You can message Dan Silberberg via LinkedIn, mention my name, Nina Sunday, to unlock the Leader Council listener discount. Next, you can listen in on my conversation with Dan, listing some of what you'll explore in the Leader Council with a cohort of allies. What I'm doing is all coming from inside of me. It is who I am. It is my lived experience and who I'm being. I know how I've moved beyond culture norms to be aligned with myself because I did that work and I wrote those papers. Yeah, I could talk about Alfred Adler and the birth order I was talking about, or fictive goals, or lifestyles, or inferiority, superiority. I know where I've been inferior. I know where I am superior. I know where I intimidate people. I know where I'm self-aware now that I wouldn't have been prior. Yeah. Right? Or attachment theory. Or we can talk about humanism. We can talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We can talk about Fritz Perls and Gestalt. We can talk about neuroscience and how the brain works. Neuroplasticity, huh? the ability to change and grow and develop. So these are all areas of my own development. And as much as I can tell you what the, the thinker said, I more can tell you how I applied it to who I am. And that's how I know who I am. That's self-awareness. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.